this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to the award-winning Interest in Health and Safety podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. And now your host, health and safety specialist, mentor and speaker, Colin Nottage. Hi there, Colin Nottage here and welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. Today I have been chatting to a lovely guy called Josh Bryant. Josh is the general manager um, at Mitchell Services, a, a sort of drilling contractor um, in Australia. He works out of Brisbane in Queensland. I saw Josh um, on a on a post on I don't know if it's Facebook or LinkedIn, and it was just a short little video, about 15, 20 minutes long, of just him talking about the uh, the practical application of uh, of safety differently. And it was it was just really fascinating listening to him talk and the passion that he spoke with it was infectious, really. And I thought, I've got to talk to you. I've got to have a chat. And so Josh uh, kindly said he'd come on the show. And um, and here's his episode. So um, I'd like to hand you over to Josh Bryant. Morning, Josh. How are you? Hey, good morning. How are you going, mate? I'm doing really well. Thank you very much. Hey, look, um, I saw I saw you do a presentation on, on um, I think it was on LinkedIn or Facebook, um, which is about the practical application of safety differently. And and I really, I just really loved it how you put it over and uh, and what you were saying. And I, and I just wanted to have a chat through that today with you, really. No problem. Just, uh, just, just chat about your, you know, how you how you got into, into this concept and, and, and yeah. what you get out of it and all that. But, um, you know, for the, for the benefit of our, of our listeners, Josh, could you, um, could you just give us a, a little bit of background about yourself, about, about who you are and where you are and what you do? Hi, Colin. My name is Josh Bryant. I'm the General Manager People and Risk for a, a, an Australian drilling company. So we drill holes in the ground uh, for mining uh, clients um, all around Australia. So we work in both underground and surface mining operations, um, minerals and energy as well. But my, my actual background, I'm a geologist. So I started my career as a, as a rock licker or a rock doctor. Um, right. But always had a, there's always a love-hate relationship between drillers and geologists. And so, you know, I, I, always, had, I always had drillers working for me as a contractor. Uh, and it was always the command and control that I'm the client and you're the contractor. And, you know, it was just, uh, you know, you're, you're just here to do a job and, you know, obviously a smarter person because I'm the client. I think what's happened, Colin, is I'm, I'm paying for past sins. Right. Now I'm a geologist working for a drilling company. But I, I got into the safety space probably uh, maybe eight to ten years ago properly, properly mm-hmm. um, yeah. working, working for a large uh, mining company. Uh, so most, most of my career has been around mining and I, I love it. I, I think beautiful people and it's an amazing atmosphere. Um, so I've been with Mitchell Services probably for four and a half years in my current role. Um, a bit of a bit of a trap. I joined and they were about 160 people. I thought, oh, this will be pretty cruisy, and they threw HR at me as well. And now we're mm-hmm. we're about 750 people. So we've we've absolutely wow. grown out of sight over the last few years um, as as a business. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's uh, that's really. Really great growth, and you know, to and then and then I mean, with that though comes um you know comes a lot of responsibility, doesn't it? You know, yes, the, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I'll look, I'll, I'll be honest. When I when I first joined, and you know, with that growth, I thought it was a bit same old. So 
treated safety exactly the same. Make sure that you've got systems in place. Make sure that, you know, you're observing people's behaviour. You know, um, make sure that an incident happens, you do the investigation and it's usually, okay, we've got to retrain and everything. And I like, honestly, I look back at my... I look back at my own work from when I first joined Mitchell's to, to the way we do things today and almost feel like a completely different person since um, sort of stumbling across the, the safety differently and safety to mindset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how did that, I mean, how did that happen then? How did you, how did you stumble into that? Um, exactly what you're doing now. So the podcast world, um, okay. gentleman, a gentleman by the name of Ian Long uh, from Raider, he, he basically put me onto the works of Sydney Decker through the books or whatever and and then onto onto Todd's podcast, um, and yeah, just started to take an interest, and it was a really just really started to change the the way of thinking, and the you know it basically sticks in your head all day the, the, these ideas and this new view. But I, I really did fall into it by he interviewed uh, Daniel Hummerdell, um, who was working for Art of Work at the time, and, and was running a course teaching the safety differently concepts from. From what Sydney and John Green and and those guys put together, so I, I basically attended attended a normal training course. Um, I didn't know what to expect, but it sounded excellent on the podcast when Daniel was talking um, through it with Todd, and I was like, oh, "I'd be excellent to see this in the flesh." But I'll be honest, going going to that course just really opened my eyes. It was just wow these these three concepts are, are so simple, and then just stepping through them was was just amazing. Um, so we, we spent the morning going through the three concepts. Um, so people are a solution, not a problem, the harness. Uh, safety is the, the presence of capacity and positives and not just the absence of, of incidents and injuries and safety being an ethical responsibility and not a, a bureaucratic responsibility. And then lunchtime came and we went back and it was like, okay, share with us your ideas of how you're going to implement this practically. and didn't really walk out of there with the practical side of things, really got the theory but didn't get the practical yeah. side. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's sort of how I first got exposed to the, I guess, the safety differently side of things and, and I guess the, what they call the new view. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a sort of a real, a real sort of fundamental thing there, you know, having the having the theory is one thing but, but being able to apply it in a way that, 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 that not just you get but the, the people that you're... You're working with and talking to and chatting with Gareth. Yeah. So how did you how did you go about that? Look, we um, initially, like everything, my boss was saying, end of year, high risk period. Um, you know, this is where people get hurt. It's Christmas time. No one's got their mind on the job. Um, so we we when we come out of the safety differently course, we've gone. You know what? We could we could use this, and I know it's a campaign style and and it's short term, but I think we could share with the organisation and our working teams these these concepts and and ask their views of that, like how 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 do we how do we act when things go wrong, and and do we talk about you know the presence of capacity and things going right, and you know talking to our workforce, their, their plain answer was no, you don't, um, which is which is a good thing. So because we work at so many sites and with so many different clients, is and you know I have talked about this in in a, you know, a couple of um, videos, but the big thing with us is that we couldn't couldn't just go out and get all our workforce in a room and teach them safety differently. It didn't it didn't work that way? So we needed to look at like what did we own and what can we do every day? And the thing is, you've got you have to go in with the mindset that there is going to be turnover. So 
if you're going with this thing that, oh, yeah, what I'll do is I'll put them through this training course, what happens if those people leave? It just means you're putting people through this safety differently training course every couple of months. So we mm-hmm. we sort of attack, we, we called it ninja style, Colin, where we came in and we looked at every single one of our routines. So we, we attacked the routines first and went, how can we apply these safety differently concepts to, the, to our routines? And by routines, yeah. I mean pre-shift meetings. Um, when we go out and visit a rig, how are we interacting with our people? What do our safety meetings consist of? Um, when the CEO talks, what does he talk about? What does he? What do they make important? When we're sharing investigations, you know, what do we highlight? What What are the things that we're talking about with our actions? And like, honestly, as a as a leadership team, we stepped through all our routines and went right. How do we? How do we honestly safety differently the shit out of this? So yep. it was um, the 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 biggest thing that we saw that we could change was the language used. Um, yeah. we, instead of, you know, the people being the problem, it was people being a solution, um, stop trying to come across to the workforce that you, that we've got all the answers, um, really mm-hmm. start leaning on their expertise. So yeah, that's, that's the way we went about it. So the, the process we call is, it's called the hundred small things. It's a concept by a gentleman by the name of Don Ash from a uh, hundred small things. And he goes, okay, what's the, what's the, what is it that you want to see? Um, what are you currently seeing? And then you need to go out and ask the question, why do you see that? Why do, why do people think that way? Why do people behave that way? What, what is it? What's the, he calls it the underlying mythology. So what's the underlying mythology of why people think that way and, and do it that way? Um, and then that's where you need to take action based on that feedback. So the example, I, the, the really good example I give is is TRIF, Total Recordable Injury Frequency Rate. Um, lots of people will put up TRIF and TRIF is the be-all, end-all of everything. And so mm-hmm. we went in with the mindset, Colin, that you could go, okay, here's my TRIF graph. Um, that's all well and good and I'm trying to show people injuries and severity of injuries. Um, and then you go, okay, so what what is it I want to see? Well, I want them to see the importance of like, you know, that, these are people being hurt. These aren't just numbers, aren't just stats. You go and talk to your workforce and go, well, when we, when we show you a TRIF graph, what do you see? Oh, all I see is you get angry. Uh, we see the numbers go up and down. We don't even know the person's name who's been injured. It's just a mm. number. You had, three in, you had three in September and two in October. You know, don't even remember who they were, but obviously it's yeah. going up. So you're angry again and we're going to be talking about TRIF all the time. And that was never our intent. So those hundred small things is just go, well, how do we change that? How do we change that mindset? So we just took truth away. We just don't even talk yeah. about it in the business. That um, was mm-hmm. just really important for us. Um, I know it's a small example and it's an example I've used several times, but it's, it, that's what it means. That's what it takes. They're the hundred small things. Um, taking things away that, you know, you think are meaningful and will make a difference, but that they're actually not. They're sending the wrong message. So you, so you took TRIF away, but did you still talk about the people and the injuries? 100%, and we used names more yeah. than anything. Um, and mm-hmm. when, when, we would, when we would talk about um, the actions or the outcomes, it would never be people-centric. It would never be, oh, you know, the person did this and he wasn't wearing gloves, so therefore you guys need glove training again. Um, okay. It was never that. It was, it was almost like a, a positive on it saying, oh, and we, we actually we went in – purposely as well, sharing success. So when, mm-hmm. when things went wrong and we had a safe failure, 
um, we would share those as well. So it's not all about the message will only come out when someone gets hurt. It would be, oh, you know, this happened and it was a success. So, you know, um, we, we, this is what we've learned from that. So, um, yeah, the, the, the big thing with, with incident communication was it was always the feedback from our workforce would be what are they going to make us do now because someone else has had an accident at another site. Mm. Um, so we, we more purposely changed our communication to share that, hey, this is normal work. These happen at your site as well. Um, you know, as a business, we're going to do this differently. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. So that's, um, again, that. So the, so the things that you're going to do differently. Okay. How did, how did they come about? I mean, are they coming about from, from the workers, actually, their suggestions, their ideas, or, you know, how does, how does that work? I guess from the root, from the routine side of things, that was driven by the leadership team. So what, what are we going to change in our routines? Um, one of the original ideas that we put forward was a thing called the Our People, Our Solutions, and it was taking that approach with the safety differently philosophy of, you know, people are a solution to harness. So mm-hmm. go out there and spend some time with them and talk about their difficulties. And, you know, it, it's been done before, but it's going out there and doing that the day in the life, spending a full day on a drill rig and seeing what they go through and understand the frustrations and mm-hmm. we would actually share as a leadership team what we learnt from our time on the rig um, and the frustrations that people were going through and the changes that we were going to make as a result. Uh, people have some amazing ideas and it, mm-hmm. there's stuff that we don't see unless we're on the drill rig. And it's one of the things with COVID that, that I really miss. I miss being out on the drill rigs and, and being around the teams mm-hmm. and we're relying yeah. heavily now on supervisor engagement because they're with the people every day. Um, to try and get their ideas and get their feedback on, on how things are going. Um, feedback from the workforce, you know, when we started to change routines, they wanted changes to how morning meetings were done and we took that on board. They wanted changes mm-hmm. to how safety meetings were done. We, we took that on board. We, we didn't feel that we had all the answers. They're like, these are the bits that we find interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The morning meetings, I mean, you know, I, I, I am really surprised, right? In, in the UK, I'm talking here now, how, how little morning meetings are used. Uh, you know, I, I, I did a presentation. I, d- I do a lot of work in the quarrying industry. And I did a presentation um, uh, to about 100, 130 people and just asked the question, right, who in here is having morning meetings? And, you know, it was like six or seven people put around up. And I just said, I just said, and you know, the, the, what was so interesting, right, is, is one of the guys who put his hand up, I said, why do you do it? And he said, Colin, it's the most valuable thing I do every day. It's the most valuable thing I do. And, and so I just asked the group, I said, well, why are more of you doing it? Now, why are people doing it? Yeah. What, what, would, what, would a, what would a morning meeting um, look like then to, 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 your, to it's, your guys? It's, it's, pretty, it's quite standard in mining uh, within, within the Australian environment that you do have a morning meeting, but it's what you talk about. Um, yeah. You know, some might start with, oh, do you have a safety share? And there's the awkward cricket noise and the tumbleweed rolls past everyone's yeah. feet. Um, we, we did away with that. Uh, so we just talk about what things went well yesterday and what were the what were the restrictions um, and how did we overcome that. So we you know we talk a little bit about you know re- the resilient side of things. Okay, this didn't go to plan, so we did this. Oh, excellent, no dramas. And then we talk about setting up for the day. So what is it you need? Is there you know are there permits? Are we right? Have we got everything? Um, do you have everything you need? What did the cross shift handover with you? Um, 
And then we finish our morning meetings with a discussion on critical risk. So we want our work teams to, first thing is their mindset is they're really, bad stuff can happen on a drawing. So each day we'll talk about um, one of the fatal risks and then we'll actually finish the morning meeting with a discussion on one of our values as well. So the company's got um, six values and, and we'll actually, and that might think, oh, God, you know, this is how it's a bit crappy they're talking about their company values. But we actually talk to them and we go, well, what doesn't it look like on a drill rig and what does it look like on a drill rig? So we try and try and mix it up so it's just not like a, a normal routine. Um, with the fatal risk, and this is this is pretty important for us too, on a lot of sites you'll see that there's golden rules. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, these are our nine golden rules and thou shalt not, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we used to have exactly the same thing, Colin. We had what were called the life jacket rules and okay. we had these posters everywhere and it was it was pretty much um, failure to follow these could, you know, result in a serious injury or death. Failure to follow these will result in disinfraction. And all the teams in the field would just read, if I don't do one of these, I'm going to get sacked. I'm going to lose my mm-hmm. job. So we went mm-hmm. to the workforce and we said, well, when you go to a drill rig like what do you what what worries you the most? What are the big things that worry you? And so our work teams actually came up with what we call the fatal eight, and we don't put a rule against them, and we don't put a definitive control against them. It's sort of more the eight things they want to think about when they go to a drurig every day to set themselves up for success. And that's mm-hmm. that's really what we focus in on those morning meetings. Plan your day. What went well. Um, how did you deal with variability? And then we finish with the fatal eight and the values. Mm, oh, I like I like that. It's a you know I mean we um you know there's a lots and lots of debate again about rules and um you know in our legislation in again the quarry industry which is a big part of my life you know the there's legislation written that that you have to have rules in place you know the quarry the quarry manager has to have quarry manager's rules he has to have vehicle rules. Yes, we have shot firing rules and excavation and tip rules and all this. All this stuff is is very, very much rules based, and so it's sort of driven a mentality that the, the rules are the answer, you know. But 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 actually, when you when you look at it, they 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 don't, you know. Most most people don't read them. You know, this is the thing. You know, all this all this stuff gets produced, and nobody uh, nobody really reads it. Nobody really knows what to do with it. I think <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing. You know. You know it, it sort of sits there and, you know, and, and you know, <laughs> do, do, do some of those rules actually constrain production? Like you're not in the business of safety, you're in the business of production and doing that safely. So, you know, are yeah. those, are some of those rules really restrictive on actually meeting your goals? Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, is, and is that why people sometimes break the rules? Cause they're, you know, maybe they're for lack of a better term, they're stupid rules. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, um, you know, I was working with some guys, uh, guys recently. We were, we were, we were looking at um, the rules based around quarry vehicles, and um, and in their in their existing rules, it said, um, it said uh, something like the 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 excavator will not swing its boom if there's a vehicle within within five meters or something like that. But something something like that. And I said so. I said so. How do you know the vehicle then? <laughs> how do you how do you how do you get the stuff in the back of the vehicle then? Because if you ain't allowed in there, then then you ain't allowed in there. That's what you're saying. And, uh, and they just looked at it and they went, bloody hell. They said, we've had, you know, we've had this stuff in place for years, but we've never really looked at it. We've no. never really challenged it. And um, you know, and you just and I said, okay, you know, that something needs to be put together. Um, I mean, this sounds awful, isn't it? Christ, 
something needs to be put together to keep the uh, to keep the HSE happy. Yeah, no. <laughs> what is it doing? <laughs> yeah, the um, the safety the safety differently in the new view really have made us look at what is it that we put in place just for safety's sake. You know, yeah. the the David Provens uh, of the world call it safety clutter, uh, and yeah. that's one of the things we we purposely did is that if we're going to introduce we're going to introduce this mindset of safety, safety differently and, and these things like we can't introduce anything new. Um, we really need to have a look at what we currently have in place. And people freak out and they go, oh, safety clutter, it means you're going to take everything away. So like, no, just, you know, what actually makes a difference to, the, to making safe work rather than mm-hmm. you just have that there for the sake of it. Um, mm-hmm. We've just done a, and it's, you know, in, in some ways we're thankful for COVID because it's, it's allowed us to stop and get a lot of work done that we haven't had the chance to really do. And one of those is putting proper uh, critical control verifications in place for our fatal risks. Uh, as a business, we've been doing a lot of work over the years, but now we're, we've done that properly. We've got controls identified, the risks identified properly. But the big thing is we stepped back and said, well, as a business, we can't introduce anything new. We don't want to introduce new software to do this. We need to work with our supervisors and put it into existing routines. Can't give them anything new. It's, you know, they'll just think it as a new rule or oh, it's a new thing I have to do and oh, I need to add this to the this 30 minutes to the 24 hours of work that you give me per day anyway. So, you know, we've we have stepped back and looked at, you know, like you said, you've put all. They need to have all these rules in place. Well, some of the stuff that businesses do, they actually inflict on themselves. Uh, they put it in place because they think they need to have it. What? Have a good hard look and and do you use it? And who uses it? And and why are you using it? Why are you doing it that way? So, you know, the critical control stuff that we've done, like I said, it's embedded in what we currently do, so that it's not new and people don't push back against it. What does um what does a, a sort of a risk assessment and a sort of a safe system of work look like in your business then? I mean, do you, do you have those sort of things? Yeah, or, or, or? Very, very similar, all under um, the, you know, WHS legislation um, and you know, 14,001 or whatever it is that, you know, we, we, we work under a, a set of guidelines. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we do have the safe systems of work, um, working under WHS Act, et cetera. Um, so we, we do meet those. Um, you know they are. That's our documentation. That's our procedures, etc. But mm-hmm. on you know on top of that, it's we need to meet client requirements as well. Mm-hmm. So you know any well, it, it's almost like some of the some of the mind sites that we work at, Colin. We have one safety management system, so we will totally operate under a clients. But other okay. clients, other clients will let us work under our own. Okay. So okay. you know our own types of field leadership, our own types of verifications, but mm-hmm. there are mm-hmm. other clients where we we do have to use their systems. Mm. So I mean, would the you know I mean just going back the reason I just want to explore this a little bit because because yep. again in the UK risk assessment is just so so fundamental. Okay, it's, it's how how it's seen, how it's perceived. It's it's the it's the thing that you need to get absolutely right in the in the business to be successful health and safety. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's a perception. Okay. So, what do you, you know, what do you, you know, do, do you have? I mean, your guys are going to go and do a job. Okay. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to be setting their rig up. They're going to be drilling. 
they're going to be taking it down. You know, have you have you got sort of processes that that that, that document how that has done, or, or do you give people lots and lots and lots of flexibility within sort of like guidelines? I mean, how does it how does it work? Yeah, I've, I have seen some businesses where they've taken away like the pre-task risk assessment, and just it's been a bit of a free for all. Um, mm-hmm. With us, again, we are bound by mostly what our clients give us, just because we are yeah. we are a contractor. Um, but most of the time, we do do a pre-task risk assessment. Okay. Uh, different clients have different ways of doing it. Some will look at damaging energies. Some will look at what critical controls need to be in place prior to work starting. Um, our mm-hmm. own system looks at what are the fatal eight risks associated with this. Um, mm-hmm. What controls need to be in place? Do you have everything you need to, to commence work? So we do the, that pre-task side of things, but, you know, we, we do have things like project risk assessments where we look at, you know, what's the risk across the entire project? What, are the, what you know, what are the known risks and unknown risks? Um, you know, what, what verification activities are in place to make sure there are controls in place? So it's, mm-hmm. I, I, I see it as pretty standard everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So these, these critical controls then, how do you, you know, how do you, Work, work them out, and and how do the how do the guys at the sharp end of the business get to get to see what they are and, and, and you know and understand them? Yeah, so um, for us, we worked under the International Mining Council guidelines for the assessment okay. of risk and critical controls. So we did a lot of work looking at, and we used a, a gentleman by the name of uh, Mark Alston from Amotus and Investigations differently to assist us, but looked at all historical um, fatalities across the mining industry that a, that a drillery could be involved in. So not looking at anything in like, you know, harbours or underground coal mines, except like it's stuff that actually our drurigs could be involved in. So we looked mm-hmm. at all, all the historical fatality data, um, international data, everything, and looked at that and went, okay, of all these things that have happened, what plausibly could happen on our rig? like realistically, mm-hmm. and it's not the, oh, but if we had this and we had this and we had this, this could happen. It's the, we only had the one. So, yep. so yeah. we, um, we, had, we identified those and then we did a critical control assessment. So we just, you know, we basically put down, okay, what are all the controls in place for these credible scenarios? Um, and then went through the International Council's decision tree, and which is based mm-hmm. on, you know, is the control, you know, by itself or is it part of a system, et cetera? Um, so mm-hmm. we just stepped through those decision trees, but we also went back to the teams and said, "Look, we've come, we've done this work. These are the risks. Um, these are the controls that we've identified. These are the critical controls. Is there anything here that's missing that makes you hold your breath before you do your job?" And they might go, "Well, mm-hmm. you know, it's fundamentally important, and no, it's not critical under the, your little tree thing, Josh." but we really need this chain in place prior to us starting that work because it's got rotating equipment behind it and we don't have any other yeah. barrier. It's like, okay, yeah. if that's critical to you, that's that's how we see it. Um, mm. The big thing, Colin, is that we, because the crews came up with the fatal eight concept, so those yeah. the fatal eight critical risks, when we've gone through and we've looked at the operational risks and done this critical control work, we've come up with like 20 or 24 um, like proper ones that can happen on a Drury, like, you know, crush, struck and lifting and fall from height. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to basically <laughs> wrap them up under the fatal eight because we couldn't just go, oh, guess what? We've got something new. It's called the fatal 24. Um, mm-hmm. So we had to respect what the yeah. work crews wanted. Um, mm-hmm. 
how do we introduce them to it? Uh, we don't. The crews stick with the fade late, so they stick with the higher-level stuff, but it's the, yeah. super, the supervisor's actually going out and doing verification of those controls or those, you know, those 24 operational critical risks. They're the ones mm-hmm. who actually see the controls. They yeah. know what's in place. Yeah. And we do that via inspections and field leadership. So yeah. we have... We have inspections that actually go out just to look at critical controls. And some systems I've seen, Colin, they'll go, the, you know, the critical risk that we're going to go and look at today is entanglement. And they'll go out and they'll look at one of our drill rigs and they'll go, oh, yep, the controls are in place for entanglement. And then they'll walk away. But mm. what about all the risks like for lifting and crushed and, you know, gaseous environment? So as I said, we've changed routines to try and capture as much of the critical controls as we can. And we, we actually assess all our risks at once. And to do one of our mm-hmm. drill rigs probably takes a supervisor 15 to 20 minutes. Okay, yeah. That's, so, uh, that's, that's, really, I mean, that's really achievable, isn't it? You know yeah. what I mean? They can you know, get out there, can do it. The, the, I, like, I like that concept. You yeah, know? The, thing, the thing we really like is it just, you know, it's that extra layer that Mitchell Services has done to give a surety to the client that we've got the big stuff in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the controls, um, and, and we're talking about, the ones that let us f- safely fail as well. So we have these we have these big things on the side of our drill rigs called sumps. Um, you know, it's just a big hole in the ground filled with like drilling fluids. Um, yeah. They have barricades around them, but we also make our people wear life jackets when they're in the fences, and yeah. they're not guaranteed to fall into the sump. Um, but if mm-hmm. they do, if they've got a life jacket available, it mm-hmm. allows them to safely fail, and they basically they can get out. So yeah. that's that's probably one thing I'd like to discuss with you is that the this idea of failing safely, and I know mm-hmm. a number of the I know a number of the the you've had a, a number of guests on your show talk about failing safely, and for us, it's been a game changer. It it really has. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's all good that we've got supervisors out there doing verifications of critical controls and making sure that critical risks are in place. But you know, we we still get. We still get a lot of pressure on us by small stuff like hands and fingers injuries and cuts and strains and sprains, etc. So we've we've introduced this term like failing safely in nor- in our normal discussions, um, mm-hmm. just to just to allow our work crews to to have that thought to go, oh, you know, how can I how if something goes wrong here, how can I fail safely? If I'm going to use a hand tool, um, I'm not guaranteed to hit myself, but if I've got impact protection gloves on, I can fail safely. Um, you know, I don't purposely go to hurt myself. Uh, we have these. We have a number of um, secondary safety devices on the drill rig, so drill pipes not guaranteed to drop. But there's a set, there's what they call a secondary safety. It's a it's a chain, sort of like a chain yeah. that you have on a trailer. So the trailer is yeah, yeah. not trailer's not guaranteed to jump off the tow ball, but if it does, you've got the chains to hold in place. We've got the same things on a drill rig. So just, I guess, for businesses introducing that term, you know, how do you fail safely? How do you maintain control when things go wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that's, that's been really, and it's a pretty simple concept, but we do, we have got pushback in the past where they've gone, um, oh, so you say things go wrong and just go, well, yeah, they do. And they go, mm-hmm. oh, you can't say that, you know, all accidents are preventable. And it's like, well, the person didn't purposely go to hit themselves in the hand with a hammer. Um, mm-hmm. They they never purposely do that. They you know our guys are a lot smarter than that. Um, but if they mm-hmm. do and they miss hit, um, they can fail safely. They're protected. Mm. And that's um you know that is a you know a like I say a simple concept. Um you know and it's it is you know it's it's, it's identifying and putting controls in place. 
but, but it doesn't, doesn't it sound not, you know, I just think a lot of this, you know, a lot of what I hear about the safety differently is it's just, it just sounds nicer the way you talk about yeah. things. Yep. You, know? <laughs> you know, you said the language right at the beginning, but it, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it is, isn't it? It's, you know, you know, let's, let's see what we can do. You know, what can we put into place? So if this does happen, you know, we ain't gonna, we ain't gonna, we ain't gonna get her. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a change in your lens. So you're not taking yeah. away safety. You're not taking away safety systems and you're not, no. you know, you're not reinventing the wheel and it's not, oh, you know, your safety's crap because ours is different. Like it, it doesn't mm. work like that. Um, no. My, my, it's, what did Jeff, Jeff Lint said a really good quote. It's um, how, how a business reacts when things go wrong is going mm. to determine their safety culture. And yeah, yeah. I'll be honest, when I joined Mitchell Services four and a half years ago, my response to when things went wrong was not right. Um, it mm. would be, what have they done now? And, oh, you know, yeah. it's, yeah, yeah. but but now it, now it is a very, okay, what can we learn from this? And yep. and even my CEO will come up to me and, and he will go, oh, you know, Josh, if you and I were on this jury, would we have done the same thing? And we're kind of like, yeah, probably given the context and given the conditions and goes, oh, yeah. how, how did we allow this to happen? And when you've got mm-hmm. leaders actually speaking like that, it's, it comes across as quite quite soft, but it, it's it's the hot principles. It's it's what works. It actually changes mm-hmm. how you respond to failure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned earlier on, um, and, I, and I wouldn't mind going back to this. Just about going back to your, your morning briefings, and you said the first the first part of your morning briefings was 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 having a look at how did yesterday go. Yeah, and yeah, and having that having that opportunity to to reflect. On um, you know on what on what happened yesterday, I, th- I think is you know you know when people say um you know you, you know you, you learn from experience. Well, you, you you only learn if you reflect on experience. You know, and you you gotta you gotta you gotta sit there and you gotta you know because you can you can have you can have experience and you can do it exactly the same way again and you get the same you get the same answer. So you got you gotta you've gotta learn you gotta learn from that process. So how do you? Uh, sorry, go no no no, you go. No, I was just gonna say how do you how do you apply that 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 sort of process and that philosophy at a bigger level, you know, not just on the sites, you know, on a site base. But how are you, how are you looking at how your business is is performing and and, and reflecting? What sort what sort of systems and processes and ways do you do that? Uh, we've got a we've got a pretty strong operating rhythm. Um, so site to site, every week, every site will check in with their sort of their area leader, and we'll go through everything. Mm-hmm. We'll go through, you know production, safety, um, costs, you know, ordering. And, and it is a, you know, as Eric Eric Holnagel says, the things that go wrong are minor um, and the things that go right happen most of the time. And the focus on those meetings is really what went well, why did it go well, what can we share with the rest of the business? And then yep. those operations leaders get together at least once a week and they share learnings from the business on like on what went well because yeah. otherwise sometimes you'll get around the table and go anyone anyone got anything to bring up nah everything's fine nah everything's fine nah everything's fine in Mitchell's it's very hey we did this this week it went really well um if I could have my time again we'd do this differently like we might have these parts on order or I would have involved him earlier or I should have communicated better with the onboarding team um so that's I guess that's the rhythms it is a each site sharing what went well as well as, you know, yeah, we had these things go wrong, but this is how we recovered, and then sharing them mm-hmm. across all the work teams. 
Uh, Mitchell's is pretty good at communication, like just with its workforce. We'll, when people come up with ideas, we'll make sure everyone knows about those, that our people, our solutions, that we will share them across all the work teams, share that success. Mm, I like that. I mean, you know, sharing sharing success, you know, and it it makes people feel proud, doesn't it? You know, know, the big part that is missing out of a lot of workplaces is people are actually proud to be there. Yeah. You know, and if you can, you know, and if you can get this, if you can get this environment where, you know, where people, you know, want to come to work because they actually they actually feel they feel valued and they feel that they're listened to and oh, you know and, and they've got a voice then, uh, then you're in a great place yeah so yeah, safety differently did open that up for the Mitchell services business that that amount of trust um, it's just yeah. a lot of trust because our, our work crews can see that when something does go wrong and they're you know they're reading through the slide that's presented in their safety meeting about what went wrong it's not right you're going to get retrained in you know, this procedure because this guy's stuffed up on this site. It, we don't, we've just removed that type of communication. So there's just a lot more trust. And to be honest, with COVID hitting, uh, we would not have been as successful as we have been in managing that disruption. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't had a single drill rig stop because of lack of personnel on any of our sites across Australia. Mm-hmm. And that is because of the trust in everyone and trust in the business that they're they're willing to move away from their families for weeks or months at a time, unknowing when they're going to get home, um, just mm-hmm. because it it has built that trust and rapport within the business. Mm. So I mean that's a that's a big big commitment from people, isn't it? I mean, is it, have you noticed any any um, you know sort of from a, from a mental health perspective? You know, people you know people they're going to be pining, aren't they, to see yeah, their families? Look, we're yeah, making that's, that's a, yeah, we always make sure that there's um, there's comms available to our people so that they can video home, et cetera. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We keep them up to date regularly about any changes with any of the restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and also we've increased the amount of communication from leaders within the business. This is what's going on, positive news. You know, it's almost mm-hmm. it's almost like don't don't look at the television. This is what's going yeah. well. <laughs> so it is, <laughs> it is it is sharing what's going well as as across the business as well. Um, but but mm. going back to your original point is it has built trust in it, and it has been because we've changed the way that we communicate. Um, mm. Communicating um, when things don't go to plan, and what did we learn from that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's some. Um you know, it, it just it just feels a, a nicer, you know, an, a nicer environment in it to, to, to be working. And I think, you know, my, you know, when, when I came, when I started doing my podcast, you know, I was I was very, very, you know, behavioural safety based, I suppose, you know, it's just what I'd always learned, you know, and, uh, and I've just listened to people and, and it just feels, it just feels so much warmer, nicer, you know, inclusive, you know, it's not confrontational and, you know, and all these all these things that have a negative can can have a negative impact, especially especially when things go wrong. And I think you know the, the thing that's come out from talking to you today is is you just taking a completely different approach to to how you deal with things when they go wrong, and and, and try and look at them as as events that you can learn from rather than uh, rather than the events where you punish somebody. Yeah, look, we're, we're humans. Like we we might initially like close the door and have a bit of a bit of a, a hissy fit behind the door when, when bad news comes in, but it is that. So the the principles of HOP, that human and organisational per, uh, performance, one of the big things that stands out for me is that um, management's response matters. So my response matters. Um, how I respond to an event is going to matter and it, people are going to watch how you 
how's he going to react to bad news? How are they going mm-hmm. to react? Um, with the with the principles and that, you know, air is normal and, you know, my boss going to me, you know, is that something you and I would do on a rig? And I went, yeah, probably he's much more skilled than us and we would have probably mm-hmm. done it three times as many times as him. Um, mm-hmm. So it is, it, is a, it is a nicer way to work and it's actually when something does go wrong, it is taking that breath and going, well, hang on a minute, it's not the end of the world. Um, mm-hmm. Taking a point though, we... When, you, when you're looking at your injury data and looking at truth with clients, one thing that we highlight is the number of safe shifts. So we actually highlight when things go right. So we might have, we might have 5,000 shifts across our business in a month. And if we have one injury, so in all that time we had one injury in 5,000 shifts, like that's, that's incredible. That's an, that's an incredible amount of tasks, people walking up and down, lifting things you know, mm-hmm. moving, day and night shift, they're traveling. Like that's that's an amazing thing to happen, like all that success. And then you've got to ask, well, why, how did we do it? You know, were we, were we good or were mm-hmm. we lucky? Um, mm-hmm. But I've actually had clients say to me, Colin, that, oh, yeah, but you still had an injury. You're hiding behind your success. And that's, mm-hmm. I just think that's just a disgusting view. Yeah, that is, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it is about some, you know, the, the positive, the positive things that happen every single day. Yep. Um, you know, and I think, you know, it's, you know, you know, we don't, you know, traditionally, you know, we don't look enough at the good days. You know, we, you know, everybody, everybody gets involved when something's gone wrong and every, everybody gets involved from the end of the top right away down the business, doesn't it? You know what I mean? But, but it's about, it's about going out and looking at the, looking at the good days and, you know, and, and learning, learning from them as well. You and know, when things at, are going well. Learning why, why did it go well? Um, yeah. Because you're going to benefit, like as a business, you'll benefit that if you can pass what went well at one site, if you can pass it on to another site, you're almost mm-hmm. like ensuring success at that site as well, mm-hmm. ensuring, yeah, up, ensuring up your system. So mm-hmm. that's, yeah, it's, look, it, it, you've got to be confident though that you're, you're willing to hear bad news when you go out in the field and things are broken or, you know, they're using, um, they're having to use, tools because there aren't tools available you need to you you need to take on board that your business isn't perfect um and it's not oh how can you use this tool it's got well why do they have to use that tool what's Mm. what's in place that enabled them to have to use it what's the context understanding Mm. understanding normal work um is is absolutely critical Mm. no definitely definitely and do you um you know again are you um regularly updating then the way that you do things across your business because of the good things that you find on a on a particular site. You try and you try and spread that out, continually, continually spread. Yeah. So through those operations meetings, that's why, you know, that's that's why things get shared, because there is that there is those lines of communication across the business. Um, mm. one one thing with our investigation, so we use a technique uh, called the blue line investigation. It's a it's a basically a three three tiered timeline that looks at um, work is done when an event happens, and then work is intended, which is your you know your plan or your procedures, and then you yeah. then you then you ask work is normal, right? And the the big thing with an investigation for us is we look at the difference between those. So mm. you can't you can't actually know what work is normal unless you're out there and learning and seeing it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all good that you can look at work as intended. That's all fine. That's all your plans. That's all your procedure. Work is done with the event. Yeah, that's easy. That's, you know, that's through your statements and, and gathering and getting that. But to learn work as normal requires you to go out there and understand. Yeah. Because an example I'll give is that um, if we'll have an event, we it's no point just saying, okay, how do you guys normally do this? You have to ask the night shift. When you're on night shift, how do you normally do it night shift? And then we'll ask other sites, oh, when you do this task, how do you do it? So I'm just really, um, and that's how we learn across the business as well, is that that whole work is normal piece. How is it normally done across all the sites? Why is it done differently at this site? Um, some of our sites have uh, laser lasers to trip. Uh, when they walk through a site, if they if they go near any rotating machinery, it'll actually yep. like, trip out the entire machinery. Not all of mm-hmm. our sites have that. Um, mm-hmm. We've only learnt that through going out and trying to figure out normal work, like why are those two sites different? And then we have a standard across the business, right? From now on, we're going to have lasers across all our sites. Um, some sites had a, a spin cage over the rotating equipment but didn't have an interlock, so that would shut the machine off if that interlock wasn't engaged. Some of the sites didn't have interlocks. So when we had a when we had an incident that involved a, a spin cage being left open, we are like, well, how, how come that rig didn't have an interlock? Oh, it's not required on this site. Well, what's our standard though? So it's, it's, it's figuring out those things. So you, you, using the, the blue line investigation methodologies really helped us to go, right, we've done this investigation, but it's an investigation involving the rest of the business as well through doing that learning about normal work. These are the gaps we found. These are the actions, and we're going to apply them across all our sites. I suppose you know the thing. You know, that I, I, like, I like that. The um, you know one of the things I've I've uh, experienced in my career, okay, is um, is is when I've done investigations, and I, and I hate that word, but anyway, when I've done when I've done <laughs> these these, <laughs> um, you know, when you you know some of the words that you hear very very early on are usually and normally, okay, and and they are. And those words are usually normally coming out of the management managers now. Okay, you know we usually do this, we normally do that. And what I've found is that that is that is almost their their take on what they wish was happening, <laughs> you know, rather than what was actually happening. And I, and I suppose you know you know one of the things that you've been more successful at maybe than a lot of other businesses is 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 when the guys are saying we usually do this and we normally do that, it aligns very very closely with what the managers understand. Of what usually and normally looks like, yeah, and you know, and, and it's about it's about bringing those 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 people together, you know, so that so that, well, mainly so that the managers get a much much better understanding of what it is that's going on out in the workplace. Yeah, yep, um, that sounds to me. Yeah, there's 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 been some events where um, a person hold held up a, a piece of steel pipe with a bit of rock hanging at the end. Um, and they were basically like shaking it to try and get some of the drill core out, and a little bit of rock fell off the top and onto the person's arm and gave them a bit of a cut. And I was like, why would they stand the pole up to try and do this? And Mm -hmm. all of, like, there was, like, five other sites go, we do that stuff all the time. But when we do it, we always look to make sure there's no rock standing at the end. I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. so your routine is before you stand it up that you look at the rock. You look if there's anything sticking out. And they go, yeah, like, that's that's how you're taught. It's like, okay, well, that wasn't applied at this site, so there's something that we've learned. Yeah. So yeah. I I didn't know that all these sites were doing it this way, um, yeah. Yeah. but they knew they knew the trick was 
make sure you yeah. look if there's no rock hanging at the end. Yeah. And again, simple, simple uh, control, but effective yeah. if it's applied. Yep. Simple, simple and effective. And that's, uh, you know, that's and the that's argument that's, would be then, oh, but you're relying on the human then to look for the rock and it's like, oh, come on, like, you know, normal work is messy and that's what they have to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good, good. So where are you, you know, as a, as a business then, where are, you, where are you taking things? How are you, how are you keeping the, uh, you know, ahead of the curve? You know, because you're, you're, you're ahead of the curve, I see, by, by just getting this more collaborative and, and informative approach on how you do it. But how are you staying, you know, how do you, how do you stay ahead? Um, I would not be successful um, or my team uh, would not be successful without the support of leadership. Like this can be unwound really quickly, like really, right. really quickly. You you get someone in um, that, you know, is, is very, you know, zero harm and all accidents are preventable and, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against that but I'm just more the language used is that, well, if there is an accident, you know, you've got to learn and not blame. Um, yep. The To maintain the momentum that we've got is getting the supervisors on board um, so that the leadership team doesn't have to do the heavy lifting. It has to filter down pretty quickly. Um, what's been really good is I've had a person from operations join my team as a safety advisor. And when, okay. I, went, when I went through, like, all the, you know, the safety differently work and safety too and what we've done as a business, he goes, ah, oh, now I can see, I, I can actually see what you guys have been doing but you haven't told us you've just been doing it so i think we need to make sure that that filters down to the supervisors that what we are doing what we are doing and, and as it's part of don ash's model is what we're doing is for deliberate intent it is mm-hmm. to create that change and create that momentum um mm-hmm. in terms of staying ahead of the curve i can't go out to my drill sites all the time so we're implementing a thing technology called real wear where people wear cameras uh, basically on their head and we can actually see live what's going out in the field. Uh, we can have okay. field leadership conversations. We can do critical control verifications live through the headset. Um, mm-hmm. Just because a lot of clients uh, consider like management in Mitchell's as non-essential personnel and won't let them on their site, that's okay. I can still get to go and see my jewelry and talk to my people. Okay. Um, okay. And we are looking at a lot of technology, just advances with the rigs. I and it is taking on board feedback from the crews on how we can prove mm-hmm. our equipment as well. Um, mm-hmm. So that I guess that's how we're staying staying ahead of the curve. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I find, Colin, with safety professionals is they 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 just sort of start work and they stop learning. And, yeah. um, and it's just like, oh, the way this business does safety must be the way things are done. Like, mm-hmm. go and see what other people are doing. Like this new, the new view, the new way of doing things is. It's amazing. Like you said, it's it's a nicer way to work. Mm. It's a better way to work. You, you, you're actually making a, a positive change in your business. So there's no, there's, there can't be anything wrong with that. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the way, you know, it's, uh, you know, because, again, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a, there's a there's, I, hear, I see a lot of stuff on LinkedIn and, you know, people saying, oh, you know, it's just people out trying to make money, you know, this, this safety of the night. And I've, you know, from what I've seen, from what I've seen of it, and the, and the people that I've spoken to, they just really believe that it's that it's having an impact with their staff. And you know, and they say, well, what are the you know what are the measures? How do you how do you measure success? And you know, it's a, you know, and you know, that'd be that's a great question for me to ask you. Yeah, you know, how, 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 how do you how, how do you do measure I, success? Hundred percent right. How do I measure success? Um, I look at my critical control verification first. 
because I mm-hmm. want to know that I've got the bad shit un- like in hand, like yeah. all the stuff that can go wrong on my rig that I've got, I've got that, I've got a way of maintaining control if things were to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also the discussions in the field about failing safely. That gives mm-hmm. me confidence that if things go wrong, people are having that that second, oh, yep, I need this in place or, oh, I could be in the line of fire if this happens. So, you know, it's the what if, what if. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're the, they're the big things that I measure with with success. Um yeah, they're probably the two. Oh, I, actually, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna go to making sure that my critical controls are in place to make sure that I've got the bad stuff in hand, and that we're mm-hmm. talking about resilience and failing safely. Um, people go, well, what's your measures? What's your metrics? You know, what do you look at? I just look at verification of control, they're there or not, mm-hmm. and I'll also look at um, the quality of the discussions that supervisors are having in the field. So. Mm-hmm. We do everything via tablet. We use a software program called Myosh, uh, and everything's done in a tablet form. And the HSE guys review the quality of everything. Mm. And we're a, we're a team HSE. I think of we've got seven of us for yeah. seven hundred and fifty people. I mean, do you use other technology? I mean, do you use do the guys use mobile phones and things like that to you know to be able to? I was I was chatting to a guy recently um, up in Hull uh, in the UK, and he. He said he set he up a WhatsApp group for his site, and uh, and it was just a, a a way that people could could highlight issues, but also show good things are going on. And I thought, love it, love it. You know, and not every not every company likes having mobile phones on site and people using mobile phones, but it's such a big part of our life. You know, I just wondered what your you know what your views are on that sort of stuff. Look on the on the drill rigs, they'll use they'll basically use tablets. Only to yeah. perform the verification data, inspections, pre-start checks, etc. Uh, mm-hmm. We use a closed Facebook page. I know Facebook might be a bit old school in in these yeah, days, no, no. but that's um, it allows yeah, it allows cool. the teams to put photos up, photos up and everything as well. So it's not just okay. business; it's mm-hmm. all like look at us yeah. on site, and you know I saw a mm-hmm. kangaroo on the rig today, and you know look at this look yeah. at the size of this goanna near this sump, and so that's it. Mm-hmm. Just creates that sense of community. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. not all just about work. Um, mm-hmm. Microsoft Teams and Zoom have been a godsend. Um, yeah. As someone said, the other, I think it was I think it was Todd Conklin said the other day, if the if the pandemic had hit ten years ago, we wouldn't have been ready for it. Um, yeah. It's amazing how quickly our supervisors, <laughs> who I thought were you know hated technology, they'll they'll happily teams in from the outback and talk to us in Brisbane head office. So um, yeah, we we are using Teams a lot, uh, yeah. and it's even the quick you know, Colin. If I had a quick question for you, rather than just picking up a phone, I'll video call you so I get to see your face, see your reaction in your eyes, make sure you're smiling, yeah. make sure you're looking well, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I can comment on your home decor, and then we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> you think there's a risk of us getting a little bit too reliant and, and stopping going out? Stopping going and seeing the people in the flesh. Ah, uh, look, uh, not in our business. We can't wait to okay. get to the rigs. Like my um, yeah. my boss basically says, operations is king, uh, and that's where we learn the most. So that face to face contact um, is yeah, it, it's so important, so so important. Uh, we we try to do a lot of like video communication in terms of video messaging to the crews, like getting the CEO in front of a camera. Which is just like an we just hold the iPhone up and record Andrew, and he just talks for two minutes about what's going on in the business. Um, yep. 
but if whenever we get the chance to go to a site, we're just we're on, we're there, we're there straight yeah. away. We love it. Yeah, no, no, wonderful, wonderful, <laughs> Josh. It's been really, I mean, it's been really fascinating chatting to you. You know, I've really, I've really appreciated that. Uh, how can um, how can people get hold of you? Uh, probably my probably LinkedIn's easiest. Um, yeah. Or um, I think I'm Josh. I think I'm just under Josh Bryant. Um, yeah. So I'm. I'm based in Australia in Brisbane, um, reachable by email, j.bryant at mitchellservices.com.au, and you can ask me anything and I'll give you everything for free. Um, the, the big thing, Colin, with us is we, we barely use consultants to do what we did. We, we use you. So we listen to yeah. your podcast and people on your podcast and yeah. their ideas and we just try to apply them practically. So, you know, if anyone wants to reach out, if there's anything practically that, you know, they listen to this and they, they want to learn more, just send me an email. That's fantastic, mate. I really, I really appreciate that. And I love that, you know, you know, we, we set up this podcast because we wanted to give, we wanted to give something back. And I, I never knew, I never knew what I was going to get out of it, but I have, I have got so much out of this. Absolutely. You know, me as an individual, I'm, I feel like I'm such a better person and, uh, you know, and it's, it's, it's getting, you know, this isn't just a, you know, patting everyone on the back session, but, you know, just listening to people and learning from people. You know, and that's one thing I'd say to any any health and safety professional out there: just just spend more time listening and learning. And if you and if you do that, you become you become a better individual. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Thank thank you, thank you for doing your podcast; it's great, and your guests are amazing. Like, you know, the Sams, yeah. the Sams, and the John Greens, and the Todds, and yeah. the, just incredible. Well done so far. Yeah, no, we got some we got some great people coming up, so it's a uh, it's going to be really really I, exciting. I feel humbled <laughs> to even be asked, so thank you. <laughs> Josh, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I really, I just loved having the, having a chat with you. It was really great. Um, yeah, I, I felt a little bit humble at the end there. We're going to say that you use the podcast to actually uh, to actually train out into the uh, into the business. So I mean, I really appreciate that. I mean, that's just amazing. But I loved the way that you talked about how you go about, uh, you know, applying what can sometimes be classed as a bit of controversial approach to health and safety, you know, into the workplace. But the results that you get in just by the worker engagement and uh, and just really understanding how people are how people are working. It was it was absolutely uh, absolutely lovely to to talk with you. I hope the people that are listening to this episode have actually got some something out of this. You know, um, there's loads and loads of takeaways. Please, um, you know, if, if you get to, you know, one of the things that Josh did straight after we had a chat was sent us over some documentation on the sort of critical risk. Um, so, you know, if you if you need anything, then, then, you know, either get in touch with myself or get in touch with Josh. And, uh, you know, we're here to we're here to help you. Hey, thanks a lot again, Josh. And uh, I'll speak to you again soon. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. You can follow and engage on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching the Interesting Health and Safety Community or go to www.influentialmg.com. And remember, let's make health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilised in the real world as the only solution available, as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Colin Nottage.